Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. Uh, Sandy, Andrew, myself are here, and we're joined by J.D. Haffron of Locked On Cardinals. He is an awesome guy, friend of the show here. Love being able to hop on over there with Locked On lately, and then he's been kind enough to jump on with us as well. And it's been a weekend pack of news and so we want to get into all of that but first because in honor of this incredible crossover event of the cardinals content podcast saying or uh we'll get everyone's questions on or answers on this but jd we want to know what is your like favorite crossover of all time could be movies shows something else what's your favorite crossover event well, the first one I ever remember was as a kid, and uh, it was when the Harlem Globetrotters showed up on Scooby-Doo. That was the first time I ever saw a crossover <laughs> where something was didn't belong there, and they showed up, and it was a lot of fun. It was like, oh my gosh, look at that. The Harlem Globetrotters are on there. Uh, more recently, I know we've been talking about the uh, Avengers online, and uh, I mean, it's hard to beat that. I mean, that... Uh, yeah. That whole situation, everything that went down with that was, was just another level uh, of crossover. I'm actually more of a Batman guy than I am Marvel, but they yeah. kind of screwed the pooch on that whole Superman, DC, Batman thing. That, that was a mess. So uh, I, I'll have to side with uh, Marvel on this one. Yeah, I'm a big Spider-Man guy, so No Way Home was like my iconic crossover. But Sandy is just like a Marvel hater. So, oh my gosh, I'm biting know. my tongue right now. <laughs> I look, I, I grew up with the comic books. I loved it. And then ever since, so I love the first Avengers movie. I think that one worked really well. But mm. after that, and I know we're not a film podcast. I can't get into that too much. But after that, it's just so bad. Ultron's such a mess. I do not like Infinity yeah. War. I know I'm in the total minority there, but. Um, yeah, those are those well, are really cool. Um, love those movies. But um, my favorite crossover was the 2023 World Baseball Classic, where we got to see Lars Newbar play with Shohei Otani. So hey we're gonna tra- go. transition into my question that I have for every guest on this podcast. So you are going to have to suffer the same as well. JD, is Shohei Otani coming to the Cardinals? Uh let me shake my magic eight ball real quick. Uh, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good, yeah. Andrew. I don't think Shohei Otani's <laughs> going to make the trip to St. Louis, at least not in the next 10 years. Maybe down the road. Maybe down the road in another decade or so. We'll, we'll see. Hey, silver lining. He hasn't signed, like, no team official announcement yet. It seems like the medical hasn't happened yet. So who knows? Maybe we have a Carlos Correa Carlos situation happen. <laughs> it turns out he actually has a torn UCL. Actually, uh, we didn't know that before. I will never take yeah. I will never take medicals for granted again after that. No. Yeah, like now you find me like waiting before I get excited about something. It's just so crazy. Well, that- I, I did hear not to not to burst our bubble, but I heard that they're they're working on the 40 man roster situation. And I guess the Yankees and Dodgers uh, are making a deal to clear okay. space so that they can put out. It's nice to see both of them after a, a Soto Shohei uh duo of uh, deals that they're, they're working together to make sure that they're oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, JD, let's, I mean, let's get all of our thoughts on it, but man, you're, I don't, where were you 
I feel like that's gonna be a question we ask each other in the future. Where were you when you saw Shohei Otani had signed with the Dodgers for seven hundred million dollars? And did you even think it was possible for him to get up to seven hundred? I wasn't anticipating seven hundred million. I was actually on my computer uh, working on some stuff, and uh, when it when it came across, and uh, I I was one of the first people to text people that I that didn't know about it yet. I was just like, "Do you see this?" Uh, and at first, it was just him going to the Dodgers. He had posted it on his social media, yeah. and it, and it first I felt great because I'd been saying Dodgers for the last two years that that's where he was going to yeah. end up. I never was buying any of this. You know what? I'm going to leave LA where I've been comfortable and enjoyed my entire. Yeah major league career to go to Canada. I just never thought that that was something that he was going to do. It had been odd for me. Uh, I never thought the Dodgers were ever going to get outbid. I never thought that was going to be an issue. I mean, the Dodgers were not going to let him get out of LA. I just couldn't see that happening. And uh, I was as blown away as anybody because we know when we saw the, and we know when they make these guesstimates at the beginning of the offseason of who's going to make what. And we saw that things were starting to creep up uh, pretty high right away, that, that it was going to blow uh, the initial 500 million out. I did not see 700 million. And apparently none of the other teams saw 700 million coming either. Cause uh, from what I read, uh, people were like, yeah, we had no idea it was going to go that high. Yeah. All right, Andrew, we got to get your reaction, man. Okay. Like you're like, besides uh, Ben Verlander, I think Andrew is probably the yeah. biggest Shohei Otani fan that's ever existed. So what hey, ben Verlander and I don't share the same second favorite player. Just to be clear, we're not uh, the same in that regard. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just doing some work. Um, I had logged out of Twitter for a little bit um, and I saw that I was like, oh, this is not going to happen today. And then my friend called me and was like, he signed and I was like, there's no way he just signed. And he announced it on Instagram. And I thought it was cool um, that instead of some some MLB writer that didn't have any real ties to him, like John Morrissey, who we dunked on last week. <clears throat> um, I was I was happy to see that he got to announce it himself on his own Instagram page. And that was really cool. Um, and I've been preparing myself for this decision for a while now, <clears throat> ever since he got hurt. And I, I wasn't going to be happy with the Dodgers for a while, um, but then once the Cubs rumors came out and that they were pursuing him and trying to get him, I was like, "There's like I'll just take anything." That's not the Cubs, so I'm I'm happy with it. Seven hundred million dollars. Am I mad the Cardinals didn't go that high? Not really. That's unrealistic for more than like five or six teams. If it was like five fifty, then I would have been like, "Yeah, we probably could have done that," but I don't think this is particularly a bargain for that kind of player. <clears throat> Obviously, the marketing that you bring in is going to be huge. The Cardinals would have been the, the biggest team in Japan, but it just wasn't going to happen. And, yeah. you know, I, I wish him the best in L.A. I'm going to cheer for him. I know I might get canceled for that, um, but I'll I'll go get a, get some Dodgers gear um, on on lids and, yeah, I'll have fun with it. Sandy, Sandy, what about you, man? Dude, this is just the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, I was thinking about some of the biggest deals we've ever seen on these short-term contracts. You know, the Scherzer, the Verlander, the Trevor Bauer deals come to mind where these guys were getting into the 40s. And I was like, wow, I can't believe, you know, because I, I used to think 30 on an AAV basis was crazy. I mean, that's more than Harper was getting. And he was a superstar when he reached free agency and he reached it really young. And now you see Otani just blow past those numbers and it's not a short-term deal. One of my roommates is a Mariners fan. I've mentioned him in here a number of times. And he was telling me that he'd heard that the Mariners might be back in on the bidding a few days ago and that they were looking for a short-term deal, something around one year, 60-some million. I was like, oh, no one would ever pay so someone that much in one year, especially when he can't pitch. 
And now you see the Dodgers do that and they match it over 10 years, $700 million. But that's just one of those things where the Otani market was so strange, so unprecedented because of what he can do that I would have been just as surprised to see him get 550 as I would have been to see him get 850. I mean, it's like, we just had no idea how to even gauge this. There's never been another Shohei Otani. And I really do think when I'm 75 years old, hopefully, you know, still watching the Cardinals, I'm going to realize that there hasn't been another Shohei Otani since. Like, it's it's highly unlikely that we'll ever see someone who does that again. So it just is wild. Yeah. And then you also think, too, like, like I've seen some people make comparisons like, oh, the Cardinals will never sign a huge free agent again because look what Otani got. It's like, I don't I, – I, I, even with inflation, I don't know how on earth someone's going to touch $700 million in the next 10, 15, 20 years. This is just yeah. a unicorn deal. Yeah. And then the fact that he backloaded it as well, like JD, is there any, like, do you expect the Dodgers to continue to be aggressive? And uh, especially, I mean, in, for the Cardinals, like they're looking to be, get back into contention. Like, is there any shot they can compete with the Dodgers? And obviously the Braves are looming too after an off season that they're going to have like this. I mean, payroll wise, no. Like it'll never, they'll never be like this. It's just not something as long as <laughs> who owns the team right now still owns the team, it's never yeah. going to get that way. And that's yeah. okay. Uh, but I know it's frustrating for fans to, to see that and be like, why can't we do that? Our guy's a billionaire too. Why doesn't he spin that way? And I don't know. That's just not what he does. That's not what he's into. Yeah. That's not the way he's built. And, uh, and, and always remember that it's not the highest paid team that, that wins the world series every year. You know, it's about developing uh, people in your, in your organization. This is something the Cardinals are going to have to get really good at real fast because they're not going to be able to compete with these teams. Like even the Yamamoto dream is something that I, you're not going to outbid New York. It's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to have to fall in love with St. Louis, Missouri over New York. I mean, come on. I was like, it's, it's just not a realistic idea. Great and when it comes to getting free agents that are already in the States and not coming from the international market, you're going to have to sell them on something outside of just the money because St. Louis is not, let's be honest, it's not a hot spot around the country that people yeah. are traveling to. Like, I can't wait to go to St. Louis. That's that you don't hear that a yeah. lot. It's a great place. There's nothing wrong with it. We've grown up there. It's fine. But comparing it to other situations and other markets that, uh, are competing against the Cardinals. Uh, it's just going to make it really difficult all the time. You know, you're going to have to get a guy like a Sonny Gray who wanted to live in the Midwest and wanted to be close and uh, appreciated the history and the culture that is the St. Louis Cardinals. Those are the kind of people yeah. you're going to have to get to fall in love with you. One of the reasons Nolan Arenado came because he wanted to be in St. Louis. It's not like they went and talked him into it. He wanted to be there. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it's going to be difficult for them moving forward to outbid these other teams and to talk the, the, these free agents into coming to St. Louis. It's not impossible. There are good things about St. Louis. Uh, they, they do win a lot more times than not, you know, last year uh, being the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the one time that it didn't work out so well, but normally they're right there. And uh, I think a lot of players are still attracted to that. Uh, I just, to get into these bidding wars with these major markets who do not have any sort of ceiling <laughs> to what they want to spend. Uh, it, it just makes it really difficult for the Cardinals and uh, those types of situations. Yeah. Real quick. I want to thank Drew new member. So super excited for you to join man. And 
Uh, you can hop in our Discord. We'll have continued cardinal chatter over there. Super fun. Um, a really interesting question from Talik, kind of going off what you're talking there, JD, is there's been conversation the last few years about MLB adding a salary floor. Also, also talk about like a salary cap. Do you think either or both of those things are becoming necessary, especially with like TV deals in flux now? It just seems like all the small mid-market teams are shrinking payroll even more. But then you have the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees who are exploding their payrolls does there need does baseball need to do something to figure this out or is this just kind of the reality of the market and how it should always be well um the nfl is as popular as it is because of its parody each year and mm. uh, they seem to be doing all right by having themselves a, a, a cap uh the floor thing is a great idea too because you hate seeing some of these owners oakland hi uh you know just not doing anything and you're like why why do you have a team if this is how you're going to treat it and how you're going to treat the fan base. Like it's, it's silly to me. I think there should be uh, something to each side of it. I think it's a good idea. Will the players ever, ever decide to do that? I doubt it. Yeah. I wonder if maybe the own, like if they both caved on both sides, like if you raise the floor that should help, the lower end free agents get a little bit better deals. You just have to convince like the Otanis, the Bryce Harpers, the mega stars to be okay with the salary cap because it's probably those guys who will get penalized financially. But I feel like in general, if they implemented both, it would be a win-win for owners because they don't have to, like especially the Mets and the Dodgers of the world don't have to spend four hundred or $400 million because they can say they can't anymore. But then you also have the floor too, which forces the Rays and the A's and all of them to spend Um Personally, I think I love the idea of the floor. I don't know if a cap will ever happen. I hope the owners do it. Um, but I do think this idea, like Otani was able to defer so much money, which is uh, doesn't count as much against the cap. I think that's a problem because now a team like the Dodgers can convince him. They can pay him $20 million more than what they're actually counting for, which helps them go get more people. And I feel like that's a problem because now they're not getting penalized by the um, salary tax that they, when they should be. Um, so yeah, any thoughts from you, Sandy, Andrew, about the salary yeah. cap or floor? I, I can't stand the deferred money stuff. It's ridiculous. They shouldn't be able to pay him $70 million and then not actually have to pony up $70 million. Like, it's just not fair. It should count. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like they can give him that money, but it goes later. Will it hurt their payroll later? Like I think will it they will. pay him in 2040 and it'll count as part of their payroll? Yeah, but I'm guessing it's probably like, I mean, no one's seen the numbers yet, but it's probably like two, three million a year. Yeah, so I'm sure they're probably like, who cares? It's ridiculous because Shohei Otani is not John Brebbia. And that's how much John Brebbia is going to get paid this year. They should not count the same way against the salary cap, even in another year. It's ridiculous. The value that he provides, it, it really bothers me. Um, and if you're going to backload this way, I don't understand why more teams wouldn't be involved in this kind of market. And if, if players are interested in that, we should do it. This is NL Central news. Um, so... I was hoping the Dodgers would go after one of our NL Central rival pitchers um, that we'd never had a chance at, but the Brewers are expected to keep Corbin Burns instead of finding a trade per Bob Nightingale. No! Not ideal for us. That's a bummer. I'm kind of fine with it, because then if they wait till the deadline, then they're going to get less for him, and I just don't think the Brewers are legit contenders, so... I'm, I'm okay. Enemies of Dodgers aren't getting Corbin Burns right I'm now. I'm just sick so of watching Corbin Burns. Well, they're they're going to go after Cease or Glass now or one of those guys that we actually have a shot at landing. So uh, That's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. 
All right. Well, let's 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 get into a little bit more Cardinal related news from this last week. So we did see a trade go down in the midst of the Shohei Otani flight <laughs> crisis. Everyone's tracking the flights, and then out of nowhere, John Heyman's like Tyler O'Neill to Boston, and we're like, what is happening? JD, thoughts on the Tyler O'Neill trade? They got uh, a reliever and a, a starting pitching prospect in return. I know most of us expected O'Neill to be moved, but did this move surprise you? What do you like about the, or do you like the O'Neill fit in Boston? And what about that return? Um, well, first off, I was actually at a hockey game. I was at the uh, Blues and Columbus Blue Jackets game when that happened. I was on my second tall boy, a Budweiser, and, uh, and then all of a sudden my phone starts exploding, and I'm like, ah, I can't do anything about it right now, guys. I'm actually uh, <laughs> on to another sport at the moment. I'm a little bit sad. Okay, I'm going to show you guys something real quick. So, yeah. Oh, look yeah. how old this is. Back when he was 41. I'm going to grab something. His first number. So, this was his, uh, this is actually his towel from, uh, from in the clubhouse. And it was after oh, he wow. first he got traded over. And this was before his big MVP style year. And I was oh, like, yeah. dude, I just love how cool this guy is. He's got the muscles. He's got the speed. And he's yeah. got the defense. And I'm so excited about this guy. And so it, it pains me a little bit to see Broneal move on. It had to happen. It was necessary. Uh, the time had come that there was just no mending any more fences. Um, he can't stay on the field uh, as cool as the guy is. When you can't help, uh, you know, to if you can't get on the field to help the team, what's the point in keeping you around? And what was he going to make? Like five and a half million, I think, is what people were estimating as far as yeah. arbitration goes. So uh, the Cardinals can do better. They got enough outfielders where they can uh, move on from somebody like that. And I do like his fit in Boston. I think uh, him and the Green Monster are going to become good friends if he can stay on the field. Uh, we know how it is when the Cardinals trade away, guys, that uh, they usually end up kind of lightening it up, lighting it up a little bit. And um, being that it's going to be a free agent year for him. Um, I, I see good things for him in Boston if he can stay healthy, but that's you know obviously been been the problem with him since he's been in St. Louis and since 2021 he just hasn't been able to stay on the field, mm -hmm. and it was time to move on. So I'm glad they got something in return because of the his market value obviously not very high considering yeah. that he hasn't been able to stay healthy no matter how cool he looks with the muscles and everything and uh you think about like hearing his agent boris talking about you know he was eighth in the mvp bro that was two <laughs> years ago okay a lot of things have changed okay so um that that's just you, you can't go off of what he did a couple of years ago and uh, i think he's going to be the same player so i wish him the best of luck i'm sorry it didn't work out here in st louis but uh, i'm glad that you know, new bar is going to be manning left field uh, full time coming up here in 2024. Yeah, <clears throat> it sounds like a lot of us have some Tyler O'Neill related merch. I got this shirt back. Oh, man, it's not it's not popping up very well, but just Tyler O'Neill is good at baseball. It was my PSA to all the world that. that you need to pay attention to Tyler O'Neill. And then it felt like the second I got that is when he fell off a cliff, which is I just. So it's uh, our fault, Josh. It we is our him. fault. It really we, is. We us. cursed Tyler O'Neill, and now he's gonna go and hit fifty bombs for in Fenway and gonna win AL MVP. Yeah. Luckily, Boston shouldn't be like a playoff contender, so we don't have to worry about him being an ALS or ALCS MVP like Randy or Adolis. But oh well, man, I, you never I, know because Texas wasn't. That's true. I, I have a little bit less faith in Boston turning it yeah. around right now. But yeah, Sandy, what are you what are you thinking, man? Dude, it, this stinks. I uh, I, I would go grab it, but 
I just did my laundry and it's in a basket with a bunch of other stuff. Um, <laughs> but I have this like blacked out Tyler O'Neill jersey that I just love. And it was like the it was the first one I found where the Cardinals were doing like the blacked out ones. Um, and it's like, you know, the mat on the, the cotton look. And I just I thought it was so cool. I wore it everywhere. And this was right after the 2021 season when like if you were following me on Twitter at that point, you would have seen all of the propaganda that I just threw out there constantly about how Tyler Neal was my dark horse MVP candidate. And then Andrew and like, we were watching the game and I was just tweeting out like crazy. And then he homered on opening day in 2022. And I was so excited. Here we oh go. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just like the moment I fell in love with Tyler O'Neill, there was this story that went around his rookie year when the Cardinals were playing in Philadelphia and I don't know if it's actually real or not, but this is what I heard from a bunch of different people that O'Neill at one point went into the Phillies weight room and just shattered their squat record and then just left <laughs> without saying anything to anybody. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was like, wow, that guy's on our team. Like his, his like legs are just tree trunks and his, he could just kill me so easily. He's just insane. So it's so tough to see Tyler O'Neill go. And just like the whole saga, just very disappointing from, how valuable he was, how exciting he was to the point where now it's like, wow, he got us an unestablished reliever with decent stuff and an organizational depth piece. Really yeah. tough. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, Tyler O'Neill was a guy that I always thought was cool. Like um, as, as we've established, the weight room story is a really awesome thing that I, I like to talk about still. Um, but I just put out a piece on Reber Rants, like reflecting more personally about like my baseball fandom and what Shohei Otani means to me and how he was like the key component of a fan, like my very first fantasy baseball draft. And I drafted him like in the 17th round. But what I didn't mention was that Tyler O'Neill, I drafted in the last round of that draft. Um, and I held on to him the entire 2021 season. Um, and he was with Shohei Otani were like two of my like best players that year. So it was really awesome watching him. Um, and I believed in him um, even back then, and it sucks to see him um, fall off so much. I was there on opening day this year where he homered again, um, and I thought he was going to turn it around. Like every year, opening day, he homers. Um, but, yeah, it's it's tough that it didn't work out, um, and uh, hopefully he pops off in Boston, but not for our sake because we'll hear about it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> sure Mo screwed up again. I can't, I can't believe you oh dealt him. That's crazy. Um, yeah. I think another hard part about this too is the how bad and how sour this last year with him felt yes. where yeah. it's not just the injuries where, you know, you can put that and go, oh, man, injuries, you know, it can, it can happen to anybody. But then you hear the rumors about attitude problems and stuff, and it just makes it feel that much worse. Like, oh, man, we got to – to this point where now people are pointing fingers at him as possibly being a kind of a, a bad guy in the clubhouse. That's not been confirmed by anybody I saw, but you know, people read the tea leaves and that's what they come up with that, that yeah. he might've been one of the guys that uh, people weren't exactly thrilled to be around in that clubhouse. And it just sucks, man. Cause uh, so much potential, so much potential. And uh, it just, it, it sucks to see it go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's tough too because he's like a true five tool player who showed he wasn't even just like a like well Ellie de la Cruz is gonna be good, but it's not like he comes up and is super fast, super strong, but doesn't really do anything. He put it all together and like all the advanced metrics underlying stuff was saying this is sustainable, like his strikeout rate's a little bit higher, so he's probably not gonna be a top eight MVP guy unless he fixes that. But like he can be a true all-star gold glove left fielder, steal bases, one of the best base runners in the league, hit 40 bombs, and then it just disappeared. And yeah. I that's why I'm, I'm also like, even if he's not 
top eight Tyler MV, uh, t- top eight MVP voting Tyler O'Neill anymore, even if he's just 50, 60% of the bat he was that year and he provides the defense and the speed, that is a super valuable player in this league. Yeah. So I get why his value was so low because things had soured so much, but I just felt like any team that was going to get him, unless they somehow got baited into overpaying, they're buying super low in a guy that I, I really just think the injuries are the only thing you have to be concerned about. But yeah. with the Red Sox, I mean, they gave up a reliever, which I, uh, Drew pointed out here. He's kind of an unknown name, but he's a guy who's really impressive strikeout stuff. And the Cardinals have been compiling a few of those guys this offseason, which is really encouraging. But like at the end of the day, if I was the Cardinals and I needed an outfielder, I would give up someone like that to go get a Tyler O'Neill and bank on it too. So mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, I would. So it's just frustrating and he was one of my favorites and I'm going to follow him and I'm a cheer him on in Boston, but ah, I just wanted to work on St. Louis so bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor one yeah. out for Tyler. I know. I uh, want to pivot and talk Japanese market real quick. Cause something really interesting happened yesterday that I want to hit on. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, what the Cardinals could do next, including mm. potentially the Japanese market or some other moves. So yeah, Andrew, do you want to tee that up a little bit? Yeah, so um, everyone knows about Yamamoto at this point. He's been covered by the national media. He's one of the best pitchers in Japan, won three straight of their equivalent of the Cy Young. But there's another young guy um, over there named Roki Sasaki, who I think most people have heard of, but less people are aware that like he's coming to the or he has the potential to come to the U.S. And um, he throws like 100, 203 miles an hour. He threw like the first perfect game in Japan in like 25 years and then followed it up with eight perfect innings before he got pulled because um, he threw too many pitches. But he's incredible. And he just requested to be posted from his team. <clears throat> but this won't happen unless um, there's a clause in his contract. We're not sure um, if the clause is there, but the clause basically says that if he wants to leave Japan at any point, during his career that he can force his team to post him to the U S at any point. Um, and if it's before the the point where he becomes an unrestricted international free agent, he'll have restrictions on his contract. So he'll basically be treated like a pitching prospect. We'll be paying him league minimum for three years, and then we'll be paying him arbitration money for three more years. And this, if this sounds familiar, that's because it's what Shohei Otani did before he came over. He had that clause in his contract. So, if this does happen, <clears throat> there's going to be another bidding war. Not really a bidding war, but like all the teams are going to be trying to lure him over um, with their own like appealing um, aspects of their teams. And it's not really going to be like paying him $500 million to come. But he's 22 years old. And if the Cardinals can land him, it would be a miracle. I would never complain about the front office ever again. <laughs> yeah. First question, how close is Lars Newbar with him? That's all we need to know. Exactly. <laughs> His mom is friends with Roki Sasaki's mom, and there's a picture of them holding Whoa, hands hey. in the locker room at the WBC. Um, we, we tweeted it out yesterday. Um, they were, like, holding hands. It was, it was really wholesome, so they might as well be best friends. As well. <laughs> they like to go to Arby's together. Oh my gosh. No, but seriously, how do the Cardinals land a guy like that? How do they win that recruitment war? Now, Roki Sasaki is not Yamamoto. Yamamoto has said that he wants to play with Japanese players, and that's really, really rare um, coming over from from there because there's like cultural um, things with like respecting players who are older than you. 
and they Japanese players in in historically have have just kind of stayed stayed away from each other and kind of like leave leave them alone basically um and let them perform on their own teams if Roki Sasaki is like that which I would bet that he is he's not going to go to the Dodgers he's not going to go to the Mets if the Yankees sign Yamamoto he's probably not going to go there at that point what other big markets are left right he's not going to go to the Red Sox Stupid Chicago has Seiya Suzuki. Exactly, Sandy. I heard you. So, oh. <laughs> no, Seiya's there, though. Seiya's there. Yes, yeah, they have Seiya Suzuki. Oh, okay. And the, well, I forgot the Red Japanese. Sox have, uh, yeah, what's his face? Yoshi. Um, Yoshi. But yeah. Seattle. So, yeah, but Seattle Seattle doesn't do They just trade Jared Kalanick as a salary. They're, they would salary dump him like into his arbitration years. Like, what? Like, they wouldn't. <laughs> Why would he go you got the shadow of Ichiro um, there. Can't go there. The shadow of Yusei Kikuchi yeah. is there. Okay, that's <laughs> the real Kikuchi. Yeah, the Blue Jays. That's right. Oh man, uh, it would be interesting because it's like it, I don't know how much Otani is similar to Suzuki. Obviously, Yamamoto's in entertaining large markets right now, but when Otani came over, obviously the DH put a big factor in where he decided to go. But he and he wanted the West Coast, so kind of narrowed it down to the Angels, Mariners type. But he chose an organization that's kind of in the shadows, like the uh, like the Angels. So I don't know, maybe a Sasaki would be interested in something like St. Louis. And it, it, they're not a na- obviously they're not a um, a large market, but they are a national brand. So there's that type of like marketing thing. Um, but I, yeah, it'd be, it's just so hard to predict right now because we don't even know if he's going to be posted, let alone anything that he wants out of it. So it's this is beyond speculation. This is just dreaming at this point. But Oakland. Also, <laughs> if if people are worried that Lars Nupar might be counting as that Japanese player, he doesn't because um, those like rules about respecting like the players that are higher than you. Um, he didn't actually know that until before the WBC. You Darvish had to like teach him all of that. So Lars Nupar does not count. <laughs> or maybe I'm just gaslighting myself into thinking that. <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. So outside of a potential Hail Mary Suzaki thing, which honestly, like I know uh, Sandy, you joked about it, or Andrew, one of you, like I would never criticize. I would I would oh, give myself no. like a three-year pause on cr- criticizing yes. the Cardinals front office if they somehow got Suzaki for a $4 million posting fee and had six years of control of him. Like I could not, I, nothing. Everything they do is gold from this point. Um, but JD, like, okay, so they they ha- they're under their current they're under the opening day salary or the, at least their peak salary from 2023 right now, and they have pl- they said they plan to raise the the payroll going into um, 2024. What kind of moves do you think they're looking at? Do you think it's just the bullpen right now to shore up, barring some miracle move? Do you really think they're strongly considering the pitching market still from the starting pitching standpoint? What's kind of your pulse right now? What you think the Cardinals are up to? As much as I wish that they were still chasing uh, another arm in that starting rotation, it's something I've said over and over. When you're this close and you think maybe just one more impact arm in your rotation could be that difference of being, hey, we might sneak into the playoffs or a World Series contender. I find it hard to believe that you don't reach out and try to get that. But it just appears to me that they, they're kind of okay with what the rotation is at the moment and that their focus now after the O'Neill trade is going to be on bullpen help. We know there's a lot of guys still out there. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them. I didn't expect them to target uh, Kimbrell. I wouldn't expect them to target a Josh Hader, uh, but there are plenty of other solid arms out there. There's some international free agents that uh, I still am holding out hope that somebody like a Matsui might come over and uh, might yeah. be a nice fit with the Cardinals. It just feels like 
something will get done with that international market that will make sense for them. And uh, you've heard other names, you know, like uh, Phil Maton from uh, the formerly of the Astros that seems like a good fit. Uh, they have acquired a couple of arms that we haven't heard of really with like a Nick Anderson that's going to be on your 40 man that might have a shot at filling one of these gaps. But uh, I still think that they go out and get at least one more, hopefully two more bona fide arms for that bullpen. And uh, that would probably wrap up their offseason. Yeah, it's interesting because I I kind of go back and forth multiple times a day about what I think they're going to do. And I feel like if you like made me put a bet on it, it's they're going to strengthen the bullpen and they'll just keep monitoring the starting pitching market. But they're probably not going to make a move. But I just have this feeling still that they're not done. And I one of the things that makes me think that and maybe I'm reading too much into it is that um, friend of both the shows, Katie Wu, uh, when the, the Sunny Gray signing first happened, she immediately um, basically that she didn't say like they're for sure out of the trade market or for sure on Yamamoto, but she was like, it's extremely unlikely they're done any starting pitching. And then let, almost a day later, she had changed her tune on it after she had talked to some Cardinal people and said, yeah, I, I think they're exploring. And Dylan Cease was probably the main, the main one she uh, reported there. Derek Gould's been on the Tyler Glass now thing for a while. Um, I think it's going to require them to get uncomfortable and get creative because the starting pitching market's thinning right now. So they're not going to be able to get glass now or cease for cents on the dollar. Um, but I just, I don't know. I have this feeling that they want to be aggressive with it. Um, but at the same time, would I be shocked if it's just a bullpen arm or two? No, like that's just, they've, they've made a big move with Sonny Gray. They've shored up the innings. They've said they want the bullpen. So they, they're doing what they said they'll do. It just, it feels like there's, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm being too hopeful, but I feel like there's more to do here. I still think the Angels are a very promising team that can trade with us. They've said they don't want to rebuild, but I like what do they have left? Like they just have aging Mike Trout, a guy who doesn't speak English at third base, and a couple of starting pitchers who are really, really promising, and we can trade for them. But that requires them to actually like want to tear it down, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they wanted to part with Patrick Sandoval or Reed Detmers, I'd be super interested in that because they're young starting pitchers with high upside that no one really talks about right now. So their value is probably lower than, say, like a, a Brian Wu or a Logan Gilbert or one of those Mariners guys. I feel like they might be desperate enough to rebuild that farm system that they would sell low on, on a guy like Sandoval, who didn't have the best year last year. And they're real sad right now, so maybe oh, take yeah. advantage of them. <laughs> yeah. Panic <laughs> by. Josh, I'm with you. I think the Cardinals need to add another starter. Like, I just, I just, I love Sonny Gray. I am the number one Sonny Gray fan here. Like, I, I am a Sonny Gray super fan, but it's not enough right now. It's not enough to compete, especially not with teams like the Dodgers and the Braves at the top of this league. And I just keep coming back to the fact that Goldschmidt and Arenado aren't getting any younger. Like this window, yeah, you're going to have more time. The Cardinals' young core is going to develop. Jordan Walker, Lars Newbar, Brendan Donovan, and Nolan Gorman aren't going anywhere. And Scott's coming up, and Sajazi's coming up. And like you can keep dreaming on future talent, it's there. But the window right now with Goldschmidt and Arenado isn't going to be open forever. Who knows how many years we have of Goldschmidt? Who knows if he even extends and stays in St. Louis? That's an open question right now. And I just would hate to keep wasting that time. And, you know, more than anything, I just would love to see Goldschmidt get a championship or at mm. least a deep playoff run. Something better than 2019 when the Cardinals yeah, have taken part in the most devastating series loss of all time. That was just awful the way the Nationals wiped the floor with them. 
And so I just think there needs to be another starter. There has to be. I'm not sure if there will be. Like you said, it might just be some bullpen arms. But like 25-year-old aces don't come around that often. They don't grow on trees. Like go pay him what he needs. You have the space. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like it's it just I don't think he's being talked about enough as they especially the way they structure Gray's contract this year. They have the space that they want to be really, really aggressive to do something. And then it just requires them to be creative with moving like a Tyler or not Tyler Matt, Stephen Matz, uh, to maybe free up some money to get those bullpen arms. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm hopeful Moe's creative, but I could also see it being what it is. So JD, if if this is what it is, if it's obviously they're gonna add another bullpen arm or two, so maybe it's Phil Maton and someone else what what it would be your standing grade for the cardinals offseason assuming they get another bullpen arm or two and then what do you think is like fair expectations coming into the season for this club uh grade if this if it's not like some splashy move in the bullpen i'm gonna go with like a c because i i was very much anti-lance lynn i was not willing to uh give him another shot i i really had no interest in bringing him back i'm glad that he's motivated and looks like he's got something to prove and that's cool. Uh, but man, did I see some ugly stuff out of him last year? Uh, yeah. So I was just, I was really hoping that they would aim higher than what they did. Uh, I think they took us all by surprise by uh, attacking the free agent market the way they did right away. Uh, I thought that they would just aim a little higher <laughs> for that, for that second guy. We, I think we all are in agreement that we wanted Sonny Gray. We thought he was a great fit and I thought they were going to go aim one level higher uh, to bring in that second arm that would, again, give you a shot at a World Series. That's what we're playing for. The, the I hate the idea that, well, let's get to the playoffs and see what oh, happens. Yeah. Let's get to the trade deadline and see what happens. Uh, I, you know, I, I would love for them to have been more aggressive on guys. And maybe Aaron Nola was the guy that they wanted to be more aggressive on, and he just had no interest. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, <laughs> we don't know what the White Sox are asking the Cardinals for in return for a Dylan Cease. We saw the, the Cincinnati Reds prospects that they uh, reportedly asked for, but that doesn't mean that's what they're asking the Cardinals for. It could be an entirely different slew of guys that they judge their prospects way differently. So it's hard to get mad at them when we don't know what it is the White Sox are asking for. Uh, Glass now, another one. Josh, you and I have talked about this one to death. Uh, seems like a good lottery ticket to uh, taste go risk on in this uh, in this one year window that you have. Uh, when you were bringing up windows here just a moment ago, like that's kind of how I'm looking at it too. Where this Arenado Goldschmidt, it seems like it's like a two year window is what they're looking at here. Just the way that they've signed some guys, and yeah. it's like they're gonna go here. And then maybe Goldie gets an extension for a year or maybe two after that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be shut real quick. Yeah. Like it's not going to this isn't a five year thing where you got a lot of chances at it. So um, the other side of it, I, I see what Mo might be doing as well is where, like, if he doesn't make any big moves here at the, before the season starts, that he does what he normally does, where he saves space for him to make moves at the trade deadline instead. Uh, he hasn't had to pull apart the fabric of this roster where a lot of people, myself included, thought that Edmund or Donovan were for certain gone. Like they had to be moved to go get somebody to make an impact on this team. And he hasn't had to do that. He was able to get a guy who finished second in the Cy Young voting this year without having to get rid of some of these guys. And yeah. it's never a bad idea to have depth at these positions. We saw how injuries can take their toll 
as they did on the Cardinals roster last year. So it's not such a bad idea to have a couple of these guys around to fill those gaps in case something goes down, in case Gorman gets hurt. What if Mason Wynn doesn't work out right away this year? I, I have no. high hopes for him that he's going to be fine. But what mm -hmm. if he doesn't for the first half of the season? Who's your shortstop if you get rid of Edmund? So um, he's he's it's a reason why I don't think they're going to move him now. The the more Mo talks about it, and we know he doesn't just bring stuff up to bring stuff up. Like uh, the way he's talked about Tommy as the starting center fielder and as the backup at shortstop, it doesn't feel like he's going anywhere anytime soon. And I'd uh, I'd find it hard to believe that he's just throwing it out there to make his worth even more valuable on the trade market. I think people already know what Tommy Edmund is. So um, I, I wanted them to do more. I'm not upset. Uh, and I, I expect better seasons from some of the guys who had down years. Uh, hopefully a 91 loss season will be some motivation for some of these guys like Nato, Michaelis to kind of kick it into that next gear uh, coming into 2024 and uh, be a little bit better prepared for the next mm -hmm. season as opposed to what they were this year. Yeah, JD uh, or uh, Sandy, I want to see your why you gave it a B minus. That was interesting. But something that JD said I want to like reiterate too is the idea, like you said, that we don't know what they're asking for from Cease, even if they're asking the Reds for certain prospects. The Reds number nine prospect is not the same value as the Cardinals nine number nine prospect right. and all that kind of stuff. So that, that stuff out the wazoo. But then also you can even look to the Sean Murphy trade stuff last year. And they wanted Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan for Sean Murphy. And the Cardinals were like, no way. They offered him them Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, and another player. Oh, and they wanted Gordon Graceffo too. They wanted three guys. They countered with Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson, and something else. And the A's said no. Cardinals move in a different direction. And then the A's take like the poo-poo platter of prospects. <laughs> yeah. For Didn't him. they get like Christian Pace or something from the Braves? Pie, yeah. And then they Pie got um, Angleers. Yeah. But then, and then they oh, helped the Brewers. They helped the yeah. Brewers by getting yeah. them a catcher. <laughs> yeah, they oh got they got Ruiz as the centerpiece of that one because the Pache or whatever was the Matt Olson trade, I think. Okay, um, that's right. But, but they, they got, got the really fast guy, I think. Um, but it was just but this guy, like his only good tool is speed. And like everyone around baseball was like, What are the A's doing? So and maybe they're maybe the market gave out, but I just feel like it's teams ask for different things from different teams. And when you look at the Cardinals and you see all these young bats, you're gonna sit there and be like, We're not gonna trade with you unless you give us a young bat. So that's what I do if I'm the White Sox. I'm not wanting yeah. Just Alec Burleson, I want Brendan Donovan. And so I don't blame him. So, yeah. And I anyways. want your Victor Scott and I want your top yep. pitching prospect. Like, I would ask for the moon. Like, you're yep. the one who's in the power position. The Cardinals aren't. So, and the Cardinals are in a spot now that with because they were aggressive and got some guys that they think they can trust to uh, be out there 28 to 32 starts this year, that they don't, they're not desperate to go have to make that move anymore. Yeah. Which is, uh, which was kind of nice. Like, when you look back at it, you're like, well, it's not the guys we wanted, but it's guys that they feel like they can bank on to be there along with Michaelis for like 30 starts a year, which is something which is uh, very valuable uh, to, to a Cardinals team that just could not find anybody to start last year. They were just scrambling from the first month and uh, that, that, it put them behind the eight ball right away. And we saw how that ended up the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to see them sign Casey Lawrence or Jacob Barnes midseason this year, which is a <laughs> huge improvement. Um, but I know, Josh, you mentioned like I gave him a B minus. I think I do think the team right now is better than it was last year. Like I'll, I'll confidently say that. I think that as bad as Lance Lynn was, even if he's just the same guy, he wins you a lot more games than the Wayno Woodford combo does. 
And Kyle Gibson led the AL in quality starts. I've said that a lot. That's a big deal. Like, yeah, he's not going to win you a ton of ball games, but he's not going to lose you a ton of ball games either. You're not going to have those days where it's like, oh my gosh, Drew Rahm has given up six runs and the third inning's not even over yet. Or like <laughs> yeah. that game, that game where Adam Wainwright just got torched by the Rockies, like that one just hurt. Like just on a deep soul level, watching that was just so painful. And so I think that they have gotten better. I think that for me is already a high C because like they're going to win more games than they did last year. And last year's team just really stunk. And it showed me that, you know, I shouldn't have the, but more than that, I, I just have one big question going back to the starter conversation real quick. Why the hell did we defer the sunny gray money? If you're not going to do something, I'm actually, I'm livid about this right now. I'm thinking about it. They defer the sunny gray money, right? So that they can sign somebody else. But why would you do that? Why wouldn't you front load that? If you're not going to add to the team right now, raise the salary this year. So you can do more next year. That feels like the most backwards and just stupid decision ever, because now you're going to be further constrained when you have to add $15 million to sunny gray next year, because this is the time to add. So that just, I was thinking about that while you guys were talking and my blood is just boiling now that I'm stuck on <laughs> Why on earth would you do this? I, I don't, I don't get it. If I had to give you a Mo answer, it's <laughs> a safety net. So he can add later on if what happens this off season isn't something that works out. Like that yeah. would be, if I were to try to think like John Mosellock, he's always well, what if this happens? He's that Wouldn't guy. I want my safety net next year, though, if I'm not doing anything this year. Like, this is why you sign Yamamoto now, so that you yeah. use you use well, the extra Sunny Gray money now, and then the Lynn and Gibson money comes off the books, and Yamamoto slides in there seamlessly. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. If you that want to do is you could lose the Lynn, the Gibson, and the Goldie money last year, which leaves you a whole lot of space to to go after some people. Yamamoto. So. Um, yeah, if you want to play the depressing part of Cardinal Nation here, you could say that they see the money coming from Goldie's contract off the books next year, and they have Gibson and Lynn coming off, and so they're like, "Oh, we'll cover the fifteen million added because money's coming off next year." I yeah. am hoping that's not it. I mean, I can see the Bally side of things maybe playing into it, where they're really not sure what finances looks like, which makes sense. A lot of teams are looking at one-year deals with people, but I, I have seen that narrative a little bit of they just they might have front loaded it 10 million this year knowing that goldie comes off the books and you don't have to pay that money anymore i think they're bringing it back though so maybe that's more the lynn gibson thing but for as much money as they should have available again next off season it could be a pretty quiet off season following this one so we'll see andrew any thoughts about the we can wrap this up uh your total off season thoughts so if, if this yeah. is all it is i give it a i give it a c um because last year it was not acceptable so being better than last year should be like the baseline like that should be like the most like average thing that we do is get better than last year because last year we lost 91 games and that's not acceptable for this team i really thought when the front office and ownership said that they were learning from their mistakes and making a philosophical change that they were going to go out there and sign a starting pitcher to a long-term contract i don't know if that's aaron nola blake snow yamamoto one of those guys i thought they were going to get them Instead, you go out, you sign a couple one-year deals, and you sign Sonny Gray to a three-year contract. You didn't change your philosophy at all. Like Sonny Gray, one of the best pitchers that we've had on this team for a long time. But like, we signed him for three years. Like that's something the Cardinals do very often. That's what Miles Michaelis got. Uh, we've done that with Wayno. We we never really locked him up long term. We just signed him year to year. 
like we we've never gone after that because the front office has had the philosophy not to go after that. So I, even if Max Scherzer was a free agent this year and he was like 30, like he was five years ago, um, I don't think I don't think the Cardinals would go after him, even though they were like, yeah, Sonny Gray wanted to be a Cardinal. Kyle Gibson wanted to be a Cardinal, but like they haven't shown the willingness to go out and get one of those guys in a long-term contract. And that that's what frustrates me the most. Yeah. We'll see. It's, I keep trying to remind myself it is December 10th. So there's still multiple months left to go. A lot of the big name free agents are still out there. A lot of teams still haven't made a lot of moves. There's, there's still time and just go get Roki Sasaki. Just, just offer him just like, I don't know. Just go get Roki and it'll all be okay. And even if not, I still think there's potential moves beyond the bullpen available there, but we'll just have to see. Time will tell. Um, JD, thanks again for coming on, man. Um, again, you can check out JD on the Lockdown Podcast every week. He's putting out multiple episodes. He's got awesome stuff going on over there. He's awesome guests. So please go subscribe over there. If you aren't already, go check out what he's got going on. JD, anything you want to plug while you're on here? No, man. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on here today. I can, I feel like we could sit here and do this for like hours and hours. On yeah. Oh, yeah. And we just bitch and moan, but at the same time, go, but there's a chance. There's a chance that we get something oh. done. Uh, yeah. I just said uh, my, my outlook towards the Cardinals for the, for this season, uh, I think they have put together uh, a better rotation than they had last year. They've got some safe guys that they believe are going to answer the bell each and every day, which is very important yep. to them. I am just like you, Andrew. I wish they were more aggressive. I really do. I wish there was, they would just take that one leap of faith one time for a guy. And, uh, you know, we keep saying, you know, 25 year old aces, they don't grow on trees, that this was an opportunity to do that. But another thing that always comes back, and I always think of the things that Mo says is that, well, they have to want to be here. And we don't know how many of these guys actually shunned the Cardinals. And we're like, nah, I'm not really interested in coming to St. Louis. I'm, uh, I'm uh, My mind is, other places right now the one guy or three guys that did want to come to st louis they they signed him right away so uh we just don't know how much that actually plays a part and uh who mo chases uh very easy for us to say just go get this guy but there's a there's a lot of other elements that go along with it and uh they're not always pro st louis unfortunately so uh but there's still time if they want to uh, make this uh, a better grade for me Get yourself uh, the solid bullpen pieces that you need. And I, and I also want to say another thing that I think is cool is the Descalso and Molina additions as far as bringing in guys who are used to winning and have won in St. Louis. I think that's a big deal. Uh, I think they were surrounded by a lot of guys in that clubhouse uh, last year that just it just was a bad vibe. And uh, we know that teams can play better than maybe what their uh, skills are when they're having a good time and there's a good vibe going on in the clubhouse and last year, it was just not that way. So uh, I, I would hope that uh, those couple of additions will, will make things a little bit easier as far as getting more wins in the win column this year. Totally agree. JD. I think the floor of this team is a lot higher. The ceiling is probably higher than most or than people will give it credit for as well. But again, we're, it's this is not uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. This is not the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is the St. Louis Cardinals and expectations should be much higher than sneaking in and winning. And I think we all agree on that. We're all hopeful there's more to come with this. But
but we'll have to see. So again, thanks JD for hopping on with us, man. We really appreciate your time. Um, there's so much conversation going on in uh, the chat and we'd love that. We will have to continue that conversation with you. So if you go on to our YouTube page and become a member, we have a discord for our fans and our members that you can jump in where we continue this conversation throughout the week. So if you want to be part of the conversation and keep it going throughout the week, jump on in there. We'd love to have you in there. Otherwise, um, unless barring, a, we've been doing a lot of um, <laughs> reaction emergency pods lately so i don't know if we'll have one on the horizon but if so we'll, we'll be in here otherwise you can see us every sunday at 2 p.m again you can catch jd every week over on locked on he's got awesome content over there so guys thanks for hopping on uh thanks for being in the chat we love you peace out